everyone, and welcome to our 7 Investing podcast today. I'm 7 Investing founder and CEO Simon Erickson, here with my fellow colleague at 7 Investing, lead advisor Dana Abramovitz. Dana, thank you for being the guest on our 7 Investing podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is fun. It's such an opportunity to be here in Houston to hear your perspective on healthcare. I know that you spent your career in healthcare. You have a great perspective on this industry. It's also something we spend $4 trillion a year on every year. Uh, you just issued a special report for Seven Investing. It's all about the healthcare system and how can we fix some of the healthcare system. But my first question for you is, what's the status quo of healthcare in America today? What are some of the biggest pain points that we really need to be fixing out there? Yeah, no, and and, and I think that uh, you know the current situation, you know, with the pandemic, you know, has really shed some light on um, some of those big pain points. Um, you know, the cost is just exorbitant. Um, people don't know what they're paying for, um, which is part of the problem. Physicians are burnt out. Um, you know, they're spending all of their time updating um, medical records and not practicing medicine they the way that they wanted to. Um, and, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, people aren't taking care of their health to begin with. Um, and so it's just this, this reactive process. So let's talk about how we can fix something like that, right? React, we've got physician fee schedules, right? You pay for volume. Um, we've kind of been seeing a, a break for that. We've seen value-based healthcare as kind of one of these topics we've been discussing. What does value-based care mean and how can this maybe help some of the, the healthcare problems we're having? Yeah, so, so value-based care um, transitions from that fee-for-service, that revolving door of, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor gets paid every time you visit them. So they have no incentive for right, you know, right. doing something useful for you. Um, switches it to focusing on the patient and providing value for the patient um, for you know the amount of spend that the patient is doing so you know are they getting that quality of care and then putting in place you know different checkpoints to make sure that value is being provided in that Mm -hmm. And how about the payers? Are insurers on board with this? This is very different than just reimbursing for a trip to the doctor. Yes, market. absolutely. So, so a lot of this initiated from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, mm -hmm. right? So the, the largest payer of healthcare in the United States is, is, is Medicare. And so, you know, they're paying all this money, um, especially if, you know, they're paying for a procedure and then, you know, 30 days, 90 days, the patient has to come back and have their procedure happen again. And then they're paying, you know, so how do, how do you fix that? So they are, um, you know, initiating a lot of the value-based care um, programs um, and putting in those um, uh, deterrents so that, you know, um, doctors and hospitals are accountable for making sure that the the patient gets that that value that you know they're getting the care that they need that the patient wants and that you know all of the procedures are are successful right because otherwise you know medicare is not going to pay for it yeah now okay now knowing that you've consulted in the healthcare industry for for decades mm -hmm. i mean you've seen this industry evolve for a long time is this changing the mentality of companies and how they're approaching healthcare knowing that it's not just pay for, for service, you know, it's not just volume based, we're kind of shifting in the way that things are getting paid for. Is that changing how companies are approaching hospitals? Um, yes and no. Um, and, and, you know, in part, it's, you know, 
hospitals are resistant to change, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like the, you know, that, that's kind of part of the problem uh, and the challenge with the healthcare industry and working with the healthcare industry is that, you know, they've been doing things a certain way, you know, they, they have the Hippocratic Oath, you know, first new, do no harm, right? And so if something's not broken, you know, why change it, right? So, you know, it's, it's really hard to see um, you know, hospitals and, and healthcare systems, you know, overhaul their practice to do something, but, um, you know, slowly but surely that's starting to happen. And, you know, it's happening with, um, you know, different hospital systems are taking the initiatives. They're working with different insurers to, you know, create those contracts, um, that say, you know, Hey, if, if we don't, do a good job, we're not going to get paid. We're, mm. we're going to hold, we're going to be held accountable to that. And then there are a lot of companies um, that, you know, were created to kind of fit um, into, you know, this space to help those systems um, provide value-based care. And I think, you know, a lot of the, the telehealth component can be um, seen to be included in, in those types of discussions, just helping, um, you know, hospitals and, and health systems stay connected to um, patients just to know and follow up and make sure that um, you know their their patients are recovering the way that they're supposed to be so we're seeing a shift and you know we've mentioned patients a couple of times there but mm -hmm. it seems like patients are becoming much more of the focal point right it's not just the administration it's not just getting reimbursed and submitting the paperwork and all the systems that you have to do yeah. it's really more of a focus on the patient here we're seeing a lot of of what i, would, I guess you could call it consumer-based healthcare, right it's mm -hmm. not so much a patient that just has the data that's that's stored in the hospital it's wearable devices we're yep. seeing people check smartphones people getting more uh, involved in their own health absolutely uh, how do you see this evolve uh, well, you know, I think everybody's heard of Dr. Google, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, you, you get, um, you know, whatever it is and you, you Google it, you know, and unfortunately there's, you know, a lot of new diseases that are coming as a result <laughs> of that. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, patients are going in and having a conversation, you know, after doing some research on their own and, and you know, able to have a conversation and, and question their doctors. Um, I think that, you know, it's gonna, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it might be generational, it might be, you know, what your your specific background is and, you know, your experience with the healthcare system um, to really question um, your physician or have that conversation with physicians. But um, I think that, you know, more, more and more people are, um, you know, taking that approach. And I think we're seeing that, you know, from the physician end as well. Mm. You know, there, are, you know, like I had mentioned, um, physician burnout, you know, the, the, so many doctors, you know, went into medicine to practice medicine, to, you know, to provide care, to, you know, help people. And, you know, with all the administration work that they have to do and, you know, putting information to electronic health records Ooh. and just doing, you know, spending all this time documenting information, you know, they get, you know, 10 minutes with a patient and the rest of their time they're doing administrative work, you know, what can they do? How do we help that? So, you know, some physicians are, you know, changing their practice to a more concierge 
type of um, solutions so that they can be you know more involved and like you know spend an hour or two talking to a patient rather than you know the typical you know 10 or 15 minutes that they'll actually get paid for I don't want to do all the paperwork. I don't want to do all the electronic health records. I don't have to worry about the reimbursement. I just want to spend time with the patients yeah. and make sure that they're yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think that you know there are patients that you know are willing to pay for that or pay you know more out of mm -hmm. pocket um, for that type of service just because you know that's the type of care that they want. The report that you wrote was called "Can Technology Fix Health American Healthcare," uh, which I think is a great topic because we're hearing so much about big tech companies really, really wanting to get into healthcare. Apple wants to get into healthcare. Google wants to get into healthcare. seems like, and, and so many smaller tech yeah. companies too, are really, really interested in this, pr probably because it's, it's the next big frontier for them. Um, based on everything that we've just said though, can technology really help healthcare or is this just adding more complexity to an already very complex system? Yeah, uh, really, really good question. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the way I see it is, a lot of people from the outside, the, the technologists that, you know, like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a technologist, you're, you look for things to disrupt, right? You know, like I have this, this technology and I can disrupt something, right? Healthcare, you know, everybody for decades, we're talking about how the healthcare system is broken, right? So it's, it's great for disruption, right? And you think, you know, like I have this technology, I can, you know, help the healthcare system. The problem is, is, is from the outside, right? You can't just apply technology as a, as a bandaid. Mm. Like it's, it's, it, it, it doesn't work, right? And, and I'm not just saying this, I mean, like companies have proven it, right? You know, they've tried and it's failed. Um, and it's just because you know, the technology isn't adopted. It's, you know, they don't, it's not coming and growing from within the system to actually be created in a way that is usable by the system. And, and so I think that it fails in that way. Technology will help, but it's not the cure-all for everything. It's much deeper than just a Band-Aid can cure oh, you. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. No, you, you have to work within the system um, in order to, to make that change and, and get full adoption. Mm -hmm. Danny, you also have prescribed seven potential solutions on how we maybe be able to help healthcare at least nudge in the right direction in your report. We won't go through all seven of those. You need to re read the special report that Dana wrote, which is fantastic for that. But what's maybe one or two that you're kind of excited about? What is the deeper fix for healthcare today? How can we fix this $4 trillion broken system that we've been trying for decades? Is there a couple things that we can at least have hope that things are going to get better out there for it? Well, you know, I, I think that the value-based care adoption, mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is great. Um, you know, just really, you know, the, the emphasis on the patients and, you know, the supporting structure in order to enable that to happen, you know, so there's this disconnect between, you know, running a business and helping people. I right. mean, like I, I have that same problem, right? <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, how do you do that? And, and I think that, um, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, some companies that are um, public benefit companies, right? So, you know, having a legal charter to not just have that fiduciary responsibility, but also to have responsibility to um, their customers, their employees and society in general. And, um, you know, like, you know, imagine, right, a pharmaceutical company um, that was a public benefit company, 
right? So, you know, instead of a, you know, $100,000 price tag for a drug, you know, that, you know, can help a small number of people, right? Um, you know, make that drug affordable to those people, right? And, you know, you know, sure that's gonna affect, you know, the bottom line of the, of the company, but, um, you know, I think that there are other benefits. That, the metric that, isn't just financial always. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. the system itself is, is getting smarter. It's more about focusing on patient outcomes. The metrics are changing. Yeah. Um, Sounds like kind of an exciting time for healthcare right now. I think so. Well, really excited to have your perspective always with Seven Investing. Again, my guest, Dana Abramovitz, a lead advisor here at Seven Investing. You can always see her stock market recommendations every month, as well as her special report on Can Technology Fix American Healthcare, which is now available. Dana, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you. And until next time, thanks for tuning in to our podcast for today. We're here to empower you to invest in your future. We are Seven Investing. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.